three, two, one. And then we had a chocolate lab, um, a family dog as well, who named Hershey. Uh, and actually, we had a famous dog walker for him. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of UFT Medicine Faculty After Hours. We're so excited for you to join us today as we have a very special guest who is at the forefront of the transition of CPC3 to its new online format for this year, as well as uh, accredited pediatric rheumatology uh, or making pediatric rheumatology digestible and enjoyable for us this year. Thank you. On the, today's episode, we'll be talking a bit about her role within the department at U of T, as well as some of our interests inside medicine and outside of medicine, and hopefully distilling out some life advice for you guys. So gather around with your warm cup of Joe or Earl Grey tea and enjoy this brand new piping hot episode of Faculty After Hours. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, my name is Kenneth Williams. I'm the speaker for MedSoc here at the University of Toronto, and I'm joined by the lovely Calandra, the Medical Society President. I'm happy to be here as well, interviewing Dr. Uh, Rosenblum. Um, so just to give a bit of an introduction, uh, Dr. Rosenblum completed her pediatric residency and rheumatology fellowship at the University of Toronto in 2015. Since then, she has worked across Canada at the Alberta Children's Hospital in Calgary and McMaster Children's Hospital in Hamilton. Dr. Rosenblum is now a pediatric rheumatologist at Women's College, SickKids, and St. Michael's Hospital, and co-lead of the Juvenile Idiopathic Arthritis Clinic at Women's College Hospital. She is also the amazing CPC3 course director here at U of T, Timurdi Faculty of Medicine, and we are very excited to have her with us today. Do you want to add anything to that, Dr. Rosenblum? Thank you so much for having me here today, guys. This is an awesome opportunity. And I just wanted to thank you for taking out all this time from a very busy course that we've designed for you. So we really appreciate <laughs> it. And uh, just having this opportunity is really wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, you definitely did design the beginning of second year to be quite busy. Mm -hmm. um, but we're definitely enjoying this little break from our studying. Good. Good. So to go into some rapid fire questions, uh, again, this is kind of like review systems. You can just say yes, no, quick one answers, or we can dive a bit more deeper into your answers um, if you feel like it. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first one is coffee or tea? Coffee. Starbucks or Tim Hortons? So Starbucks for coffee and okay. Timmy's for food. Because okay. the bagels at Starbucks are just too dry, you know what I'm saying? And like, yeah, these are like egg white. I'm like, okay, I don't know. So Tim's mm -hmm. has better stuff for food. What's your favorite food item at Tim Hortons? Oh gosh, I think uh, post call uh, uh, raisin cinnamon bagel toasted with cream cheese. Oh, so nice. Good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> good combination. Mm -hmm. Okay, what is your favorite color to wear? Gold. Ooh. Yeah, fun. Uh, what is a nickname your parents used to call you? So um, my parents are uh, from Russia, from US, former USSR. So um, they called me Evachka. 
because um, that's my um, Russian name is Eva, or Kazyavka actually, which is a term of endearment. It means booger, like little booger. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> term of endearment in Russian, so I call my kids that too, and it's uh, so Kazyavka. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is one of your weirdest quirks? Um, I guess I'm pretty, I don't know, outgoing. Uh, so I like if I'm listening to like a really good song and I'm getting into it, then um, I'll dance in the streets sometimes, like with my headphones <laughs> in and I'll just be <laughs> dancing at a stop sign, waiting to cross. And uh, yeah, so I guess that's it. <laughs> okay, speaking of which, what is your favorite song right now? Ooh, okay, my favorite song right now. Um, so I really like, um, I've actually gotten back into the 60s music. So I like mm-hmm. to play music a lot around my kids who are two and five months, but a lot of the current wow. music is a bit inappropriate. Um, but the 60s <laughs> is like, uh, yeah, 60s is just really safe and fun and happy. And it's not children's music, like the wheels on the bus and stuff, which kind of yes. annoys me sometimes. So, yeah, so I'm really into it. Like the Stand By Me soundtrack, phenomenal. I'm a big Elvis Presley oh. fan. Oh, love all his stuff. He's like more 50s, 60s, but love his stuff. Um, so, yeah, so that's sort of what I'm um, into now. Wow, your children are going to grow up with great taste in music. I hope so. Or be super lame. I don't know. Yeah, what are the other? Lame, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you might have set them up for failure. We'll see in due time. I think so, yeah. (laughs) But it's shocking, eh? Like what they used to think was inappropriate in the 60s. And then now the Mm -hmm. lead song being You Know What It Is is very (laughs) uh, disproportionate, you know? (laughs) Society has changed a lot. Yes, it's changed a lot. So it's nice to remember the good old days, which weren't my good old days, but uh, (laughs) go back. Totally. Okay. Um, A favorite joke or story that you heard in the last two weeks? Okay, so no one tells jokes anymore, I find, because there's memes, right? So mm, everyone yes. just sends <laughs> memes and there's no longer any jokes or stories. So I haven't actually heard any, but I have um, some funny memes that have come across my way. So, um, so they're not Excellent. COVID related because, I mean, there's a ton that are COVID related, but um there's a few ones, so I'm postpartum, so I'm doing some weight loss stuff. So one is, I wish I was a person, th- sorry, I wish I was the person I thought I could be when I bought all this produce. <laughs> like, but again, these are a bit better read than said. Yeah, no, totally. And another one is, every time we try to eat healthy, along comes Christmas, Easter, summer, Friday, or Tuesday, and ruins it for us. <laughs> so anyway, just some cute little, uh, I love that. little memes. Those are cute. Definitely don't be so hard on yourself. You are, you like yeah. you said, postpartum. Postpartum. Exactly. Not to worry. Yeah, absolutely. And taking okay. on the responsibilities of a whole curriculum on your shoulders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So that'll make the, the pounds shed right away. That's for sure. <laughs> or stress eating. I don't know. Either yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, who is your role model? 
Um, so my role model, um, I think professionally definitely is um, Dr. Ronald Laxer, who was a mentor of mine in pediatric rheumatology. So um, sorry, this is might be rapid fire, but um, this man is extraordinary. Okay. He's one of the most brilliant uh, pediatric rheumatologists out there. Really approachable, nice, genuine man. Um, really helped me in my career and also showed me uh, like really portrayed the humanistic side of medicine as well as how to be an excellent physician. So I think that combination and how to really care for patients um, in many ways. So anyway, he's definitely my um, my professional hero and mentor, that's for sure. That's lovely. Uh, what is a book you would recommend to students that you read recently? Um, so I've been, um, sorry, mine is going to be, my interview is going to be kind of skewed to parenting. So, uh, for the parents okay. here, I've read a great book. It's called, Oh Crap, Potty Training. Um, so <laughs> how to train your, how to potty train your kids. So that's sort of what I'm into right now. <laughs> it was really successful for our family. So yeah. I'm reading that. Oh, then, great. Yeah. I'm actually reading a lot of, I got really into, um, like a lot of the, um, uh, did you guys watch Social Dilemma on Netflix? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's phenomenal. Really good. So I'm super into all that. And like, uh, there's one that's called like Coddling of the American Youth or something. Like, yeah. I just got that book. So I can't wait to dive into it just around. And one of the authors were was in the documentary, but fascinating, fascinating um, stuff. So really yeah. to get into that. After watching The Social Dilemma on Netflix, I've definitely, it made me realize that I was addicted to my phone. Yes. Like, like and all the little subconscious things that I do. And then, like, I've turned off all notifications on my phone, deleted a bunch of the apps, and just wow. tried to not get, like, <laughs> and I still, I still have trouble, especially now that I'm spending most of my time just studying anatomy and it's kind of dry. Like, of I just feel like I need the dopamine drip of, like, mm -hmm. someone mess, and it's like, no, you don't need it. Like, block everything but. I know it's a good time to detox eh but it's yeah. exactly that I did the same thing like I I mean I'm old so I like I had Facebook so you know <laughs> I deleted that and like uh, all my notifications and whatever but it's um you know I still Sorry. go on Facebook maybe once a day but it's less much less because I have to log in on the internet and it's like yeah. it's fascinating more so how much. yeah yeah really cool Email addiction is still a thing, so, oh, and like yeah. keeping track of MedSoc and other clubs that we're part of. Totally, you, can't you can't disconnect. That's the issue. Mm -hmm. like you don't no, exactly. To. And now instead of scrolling down for Facebook, I scroll down my emails all the time. I find that that's my addiction. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's so hard because sometimes I do get like urgent emails, and I feel awful not responding within the hour and so but it's okay it's and actually there's some good time management book i haven't read the four hour work week but apparently in there it's like you touch your technology once a day so some people have an automatic reply to say um i only respond to emails in the evening or this one mm -hmm. hour during the day that way people know that that's when they're going to get a response and it's okay not to respond right away like yeah. the world will not end but you feel like it will right it's, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's very tricky. Yes, but no, definitely love the um, parenting book. We definitely do have parents in our class. Sure. And so I'm sure that is so helpful for them. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> this podcast is for everyone. Yeah, that's yeah. been my forefront. So yeah, sorry about that. Awesome. No, totally. Um, what is one thing you'd put on your bucket list? 
Um, I think uh, to travel again anywhere would be really, really <laughs> nice right now. Um, I do have this bucket list thing to go to all seven continents. So um, the Antarctica trip would be really fun. You know, the one where like you're um, go to Argentina and then you take that cruise ship that goes and you see the penguins yep. and the mm-hmm. um, of pole and stuff. So that would be really, really fun. Um, uh, yeah, so I guess that's on, that's on there. Awesome. Uh, texting or calling? Mm, I think both. So I'm definitely old school. So I do like a good phone conversation. Um, so yeah, that takes up a lot of my phone time. Um, and especially with my mother, we speak a lot, probably two mm-hmm. times a day. Um, but then texting generally, like just to sort of um, notify people. So I think both. Okay. But I'm definitely still a caller. And I leave messages, I leave voicemail, which a lot of oh. hate. They're like, why do you do that? We don't check it. We hate this. <laughs> what you want to say. I think, I think the newest thing for that is voice notes. At right. Least a, a couple of students in our, at least MedSoc and in different clubs have started leaving voice notes. And like, I get it. It's easier for the person saying things. You don't have to type it out. But mm-hmm. for the people who are reading it, it's like, this is not quickly digestible. No, no. Mm. It's like, there's actually a good app called Voxer where you could sort of like leave little messages to one another. Yeah, voice chats. But yeah, it's same thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'll leave a good old fashioned voicemail. So good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you could bring one thing with you, if you got stuck on a desert island, what would it be? Sunscreen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> good answer. <laughs> I would be miserable with like 60, 100 SPF, whatever. That's what I need. <laughs> okay. Um, if you could bring one person with you on this desert island, who would it be? Um, because we've been, so my PC answer is my husband. Um, but because we've been isolated, uh, like with COVID and, much and all that, I would just go by myself, to be honest, and have a lovely <laughs> holiday on a desert island alone. It would be lovely. <laughs> with nobody so that's my answer that sounds great um okay uh what is one of your favorite hobbies um so I'm a really social person usually so I like um getting together with friends a lot and socializing that's like Mm -hmm. the biggest hobby my social calendar is always full and uh I keep our lives very busy uh, usually not now now I'm responsible with COVID and everything and uh so that's why it's it's kind of hard um and uh and traveling Mm -hmm. totally i know you just mentioned that you have a five-month-old have you felt like you're a lot more weary now um no 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 kids usually my kids thank god i'm so fortunate they're very healthy and so um no they're fine i just worry about like all of us getting sick at the same time with covid because then it'll be hard for me to take care of them and breastfeed when i'm sick myself so that's sort Mm -hmm. of my biggest worry but i'm hopeful we'll all be fine like we're all thankfully healthy it's just you know passing it to my parents who are in my bubble of course but no the five month old will be fine and like even when i was (laughs) pregnant i was more worried because everyone around me was worried but pregnant ladies you by and large do really well too and so do their fetuses so Mm -hmm. that's all actually okay thank you for asking yeah but he it's just been a weird experience because with my daughter you know I had tons of people in the hospital with me and like big Mm -hmm. celebration parties and this and that and then with my son it's just been sort of more quiet you know quiet it's one more relaxing in one way but then also just different it's hard Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Uh, what is one skill you would like to learn? Um, I think gardening, like a veggie garden, like planting some. Yeah, I don't have a, I've never done that. So that would be really cool. Mm -hmm. Do you have space in the backyard or front yard? Um, I'm trying to get some or make some, you know, they have like those overground planters now that yes. I'm learning about. So that's what I'm trying to do. My husband um, doesn't eat cucumbers. Have you guys ever heard of this thing? No. <laughs> it's like a thing. You know how people have yes. it. So he has it for cucumbers. Really? So yeah, it's really weird. Whoa. Like can't handle the taste or the smell. It's like so Which cucumbers weird don't really smell. Yeah. Cucumber is like the most base, like Correct. just water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Really, really weird. Um, <laughs> I can't plant cucumbers, but I'll do <laughs> all the other things. So wow, that's so yeah. restricting. Like I don't yeah. know, that might be like a. It might um, be a deal breaker for some. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. That. <laughs> I found it trip. out when I was hooked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, also, speaking of your husband, how long have you been married, if you don't mind us asking? Oh, no, not at all. So um, we had a big whirlwind sort of relationship. Um, I was engaged to someone before it didn't work out. And then I met my husband a few years after that. And it was like seven months till engagement and like seven months till marriage. So I've only known him for like four years. Yeah, 2016 is when we met. And then we've been married for three. Wow. We've been congratulations. Very, thank you. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like you're happy. So oh, no, it's great. Yeah, yeah. But I'm still just getting to know him. So we'll see. I don't know. Hopefully, <laughs> it's all good. Right flag with the cucumbers. Yeah, exactly. Break right. <laughs> one. So he's an excellent husband and father, though. So that's in the pros. But the cucumber's pretty big. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Uh, which goes first, cereal or milk? Oh, who does milk first? Is that a thing? Yes. Has anyone answered that? No, no. Seriously, no. Cereal first, for sure. Yeah, the, yeah. No, the proportion. Dr. Wells and Dr. McLeod just refuse to answer it. Oh my gosh, come on. No, no but then, because you know they, mm -hmm. they were just like, I. They, there's only one right answer and we're not even giving you the benefit of the doubt. Correct. Like, we're not answering this. <laughs> Although I will tell you when you go for the second bowl, then you have the leftover because you have the leftover milk, and then you so then oh, I, I cereal see. the second bowl. So maybe there is like some <laughs> some loophole there. Yes, yeah. you're right. <laughs> okay, um, is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? No, never. Hard no. Okay. Hard no. <laughs> uh, dogs or cats? Dogs. Dogs. Have you ever had you a, dog a dog yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I had uh, two family dogs, a little Shih Tzu who became epileptic. Had no idea they could do that. You guys will learn all about that in uh, Nero 2 um, in the first week. So get ready. But yeah, if you can think about my little cute little Shih Tzu. So anyway, so she had epilepsy and then passed. And, um, and then we had a chocolate lab, um, a family dog as well, who named Hershey. Uh, and actually, we had a famous dog walker for him. So uh, if you ever watch CP24, um, yes. Patricia J, the weather lady, Patricia Juggernaut. So she used to walk my dog when she was in between her entertainment jobs. Oh, and, wow. Which is really fun. Yeah. And then yeah, now I see her on TV all the time. So it was really nice. And when my dog passed, then she put a picture of him and her on her Facebook and stuff. So it was really nice. And now, now we have children. So, um, <laughs> so no pets. Would you ever consider getting a dog? I'm sure like that's a conversation every child and parent have at one point. 
That's it. For now, it's like a hard no because uh, right. I love the dogs and everything, but it's a lot of work. And at the end For of the sure. day, moms end up walking them most of the time. In my in my family experience, I don't know. The kids always want them, yeah. and then they say they'll walk, and they never do. So, and then I don't. I need yeah. to hire another famous dog walker. So I don't know <laughs> where I'll find that. But uh, yeah, but we'll see. We'll see when they're older. Right. Okay. Um, what is the name of a drug that you? have the toughest time pronouncing? Um, so right now, because I'm a rheumatologist, we have really fancy medications. And so I'm pretty good, pretty practice, pretty well-versed at uh, naming them all. Um, but in medical school, I was impressed with myself when I could do trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole. I thought that that one wow. was really fun. Um, Septra, yep. And on Dancitron and all those, I, th I thought those were like really cool back like 10 years ago. I don't know. But now there's all the MABs and um, in rheumatology and that. So those ones are, um, Mab's another fun one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but in medical school, it was definitely the Septra, the full name. So that was really fun. Wow. Um, what is a clinical examination that you learned in med school that you have never used in practice? Um, I think hmm, most I've used, because I'm a pediatrician, we don't really do JVP in kids so often, you know, um, yeah. but that was something that was super stressed, the first block of clinical skills in cardiology. Yeah. So yeah, so that was certainly something that I don't do a lot. Yeah, I definitely remember last year and the two T4s and the incoming classes in following years will definitely remember in the first year when they're looking down the patient desk bed and trying to see the see the JVP at the end of the bed or even being super close and seeing and you're like just at one point you're just like I'm convincing myself that I'm seeing yeah something. I'm not sure I buy into it the biphasic waveforms yeah I know I know I've never done. you're like trying to make a shadow of something and you're like oh, yeah, pulsing. I think maybe one time I saw it I don't know but uh, I'm glad I don't need to pay attention to them so often that's fair okay and then our final rapid fire question, how do you deal with Zoom fatigue? Um, yeah, that's a good one. I haven't figured out a good way yet. Um, I try to avoid it as much as possible. Um, go do a lot of breaks if I can. Um, yeah, but it's still, I mean, it's still kind of novel. I don't know. Would you guys have any good tips? I don't know how to do it. Mm, I'm currently wearing um, like blue light glasses. And so oh, I don't know, I know the research right now is not supportive of it, but I do think like it's been helping me, like maybe it's a placebo effect, but I feel like my headaches are better. And I can, like when I am studying right before bed and I wear them, like I think that I do sleep better as well. Like I'm not like having interrupted sleep. Oh good. That's been helpful for me. And I know they're like pretty inexpensive on Amazon for anyone out there or just in stores. Um, but I do also try to get up, walk, do some laps, mm -hmm. pretend like I'm walking to class, to another <laughs> class. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, perfect. Um, how about you, Kenny? Um, yeah, I, I guess my big thing is my apartment's a shoebox. Mm -hmm. um, so I need to leave my shoebox or I'm going to go insane. So I try to leave. So I go to the different academic spaces that we have open right now, um, which is difficult with COVID, of course. But uh, Gerstein is open, um, as well as McCall for all the students in medicine. 
Um, so I try to go there as much as possible um, just to get out of the house. And um, they just renovated McCall, so it looks beautiful. Nice. Um, and then my other thing is just trying to like do some active activities throughout the day, like go for a run, um, go to the gym when it's safe and all of that. It ends recently, it's ended up that I do all my running and all my exercise at like midnight or 1 a.m. So I don't know if that's really all that beneficial. My goodness. Down, like, <laughs> sleep, but like it just needs to get done in terms of just winding down at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Those are great tips. Thanks, guys. I'll try a few of them. <laughs> I don't recommend it, the one doing doing things no, at midnight. Do it no, early no. in the day. Yeah, I'll try that. <laughs> I'll do it with a bit of modification. Yeah. Um, I think that's the end of our rapid fire question. So we're going to move more into the long answer questions, if you will. Um, so feel free to dive in or take these questions however you want to, and we can just go from there. Um, the first question is, can you describe your role in, we did give you an introduction, but this is your opportunity to fill in some of the blanks or just talk about things that you're really passionate about um, in regards to your role within the faculty. Oh, sure. Thank you. Yeah, so it's a big privilege to be able to be course director for CPC3. So um, basically, yeah, my job is to, it's more of an administrative job, but then also I do a bit of teaching in the unit, which is really great because MSK is my field. Um, but essentially, um, uh, I yeah, I help to um, be the director, make sure that all uh, the course runs smoothly, set all the exams other than anatomy. That's Dr. Balak's department. She's fabulous at that. So um, work closely with the leads, with Dr. Law, with the other course directors to make sure and with the students, most, most importantly, um, to make sure that uh, that we have a good uh, curriculum, that we're meeting people's needs and with COVID that we're actually sort of um, uh, addressing everything going on. Um, so yeah, and also I'm fairly new at the job. So this course used to be run by Dr. David Chan, who, um, I'm not sure if he's going to actually be teaching any of the workshops, but he helps to facilitate the neurology workshops. He's a neurologist at St. Mike's and he's a phenomenal. He's now the course, he's now the program director for neurology at U of T. So post-grad. Oh he moved to, but he did this job for, I think, 10 years. And he actually set up CPC3 with Dr. Balak. Um, okay. And they used to teach the old triple MD brain and behavior. I never went to U of T. I'm a Mac grad for medical school. I just did my residency training at U of T. Um, so he really knows like the nitty gritty. And then I'm sort of taking over the course from him. Um, and then trying to make modifications along the way. So I really owe a lot to him. He's fabulous. And just to follow up on that, what do you think is the best and toughest aspects of your job? So uh, the best part for sure is meeting with students like you guys tonight, honestly, and <laughs> office hours. And I encourage everyone to sign up for office hours Tuesday mornings. Um, but last year when we could have in person and we would review like a lot of page, a lot of students after um, BMEs would come and we'd discuss studying strategies and all that, that's really my favorite. And then to sort of monitor their progress and see how well they did on the following MEs and all that. And um, I don't know, I just loved it. Or like when students challenge me with some of the questions in the ME. I think that's really great and discussing the material with students. So like just looking at the direct impact we make for me is the best. Um, yeah. And did you ask the toughest as well? 
Yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. this year, for sure, it was the COVID stuff before we figured out that we're going to be all virtual to try to figure out um, some in person, some not. Uh, was really a big challenge just because it wasn't very clear, you know, like there was so many ifs and ands and uh, like uh, stuff from the university, like policies around mask wearing for lecturers and this. Anyway, so that yielded a lot more meetings and discussions and everything. So, um, yeah, so that that was uh, really great to uh, um, to have a firm decision on. And since then, it's been really much better. And I also want to give a shout out to Ashley, who's been a wonderful <laughs> course rep so far and really helps me in my job and Jenny Lamb, who's our fantastic admin. So it's really like a good team of people. They actually are great, uh, make my job easy and <laughs> are also parts of the best parts of it to work with. Yes, Ashley's so great. She's doing a great job, especially during all this time when lots of students want to give feedback. Totally. She's been very receptive. Thank you. Yeah. And please continue giving your feedback to her and myself. We speak mm -hmm. every few days just to touch base. So she's been really, really wonderful. Amazing. Um, the next question is why medicine? Why pediatric rheumatology? Like just go into that a little bit. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So medicine, I don't know. I really liked it uh, from a young age. Like I loved science in high school and then my mom's piano teacher and one of her students was a reconstructive surgeon, Dr. Tate. And so back in the day, um, you could actually just go and do like an observership without like credentials and getting a badge and this and that. Now it's possible. <laughs> it's like an iron curtain. And so um, I got to like see some surgeries and do some really cool stuff. So anyway, from there, that really solidified my interest in it. I really like um, the learning about the medicine, the science, helping people on such a different level and like all the cool jobs you could do within it. You could be a doctor, a teacher, a researcher, like so many cool um, aspects of it. So that really appealed to me. Um, and then pediatrics. Um, I love kids. Um, I love their parents and even like uh, really sort of challenging situations with um, parents and families I really like as well. And I think um, by and large people I don't find love themselves as much as they love their kids. So I find through <laughs> um, improving the child's health you could actually try to improve family's health like if um, like a patient has asthma and the parents smoke they might modify their behaviors like they may not quit because you know, they may not love themselves enough to quit and the addiction mm -hmm. and all that, but they may modify for their child. So I find in those ways you can sort of make some meaningful differences. Wow, that was really special. I've never thought of like pediatric medicine in that way, oh, but yeah. I definitely will see it that way now. That was awesome. Thank you. And rheumatology, just because you guys have it so fresh in your head. So yeah, <laughs> um, it's awesome field too, because, well, Dr. Albert sort of sung its praises as well, but I totally agree with her. Um, it's one now, unfortunately with COVID you can't, but it's one of the few specialties left where like you really have to examine the patient. You have to feel all their joints and sort of, you have that um, healer connection with them, which is really cool. And you always, it's always a diagnosis of exclusion. So you always have to keep in abreast of everything else going on. So it just makes you really up to date and smart and just keeps you thinking. So, and the colleagues are fabulous in Pete's room. It's amazing. So anyway, we're like a big family. So it's really fun. The mm -hmm. conferences are really, really fun when we had them. <laughs> so 
I guess kind of on the same note, because you're dealing with like children and like the children of adults and parents, like how do you personally handle high stress situations, Mm. especially since kids are involved? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, having a good social support network for me works really well. Um, Reaching out, having frank discussions, not keeping things in with my husband, my family, my friends. Um, I've also, I also see a counselor, so I have some, my husband has benefits, which we're very lucky with, so I use them to see, um, uh, like a therapist, and I have actually since, um, essentially medical school, I had my first big breakup in medical school, and I didn't handle it, I mean, I was just heartbroken, you know, and like, I thought, you know, Mm -hmm. their first love, and la la la, and some people get to marry their first love, which is great, but that wasn't my case, so, um, so I, I access the student health, like, I guess, OPSA, similar, um, situation, um, at McMaster, which I found super helpful. Actually, the first therapist I got, I didn't really like them. The way it just wouldn't click. It's like dating. You have to really find someone who yeah. you mesh with. And then the totally. second one I really liked. And so we discussed just coping strategies and how to get over it and all that. And then um, once everything sort of settled out, I still go, even if everything's fine, like there's always something to talk about, something to explore. And then stressful situations at work with colleagues or patients or cases, obviously I don't describe names or details, but to keep confidentiality, but at least it's something that I can sort of bounce off someone that yeah. um, has training and helping to guide me. That's awesome. I, I think that's a really important message in terms of just getting out there that there's all these this talk about uh, physician suicide and mental health and mm-hmm. burnout etc but it's really good to hear from someone who's running the course that you're doing or like someone up like directly um, impacting your life that's in a successful career that is still accessing those resources and like prioritizing their mental health because that's really important and I think some people just one don't know the resources are there or do they're concerned of the stigma around accessing that resources and hopefully by getting your message out there that you like you still use them and you see the benefit and it helps you it can at least um, allow some more people to access those resources or feel comfortable enough doing so absolutely i completely agree with you and especially the university days like you get it for free basically right like and then i think we get benefits in residency i forget already but you know then you could sort of continue to access it and uh, with residency also you have wellness centers and that kind of thing but oh my gosh while you have all this access to it and it's free take advantage i think um kenneth like you like you know you work out which is great eating healthy you have to be an example for your patients good sleep so that's maybe something you have to work on if you're running <laughs> yeah. at midnight sorry mothering you and mental health so <laughs> i always tell my yeah. patients that those are the really the most important things and not everyone can afford mental health and all that so you know if you can take advantage of it it's really great and finding ways for your patients to do but i'm very open with my patients as well just to normalize it because you're right there's a huge stigma with it and everyone should see a shrink <laughs> everyone should get some counseling yeah, yeah. Um, I think definitely within like med school, like OPSA has done such a good job with their like branding and how it is normal and should be normal to go. Um, Like I just had my first OPSA like personal counseling session, I think last week and it was so great. And like, it's free. They accommodate your schedule. Um, So good. 
That's awesome. That's really awesome to hear, especially because like I'm killing you guys with work right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Have to admit, I did talk about school a little bit. So. Good. Good. It's crazy. It does get better. I promise. I promise. Yeah. I believe you. I totally segment. believe you. It's really, really lovely, of course. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's just crazy. And just to keep um, plugging in OPSA, they, like you were saying, like sometimes you connect with the counselor or you don't. Like the first time I went to OPSA, I definitely did not connect with the counselor, but it's great because they have at least three or four and they're, I think they're hiring another one as well. So there's definitely options there for students that don't feel discouraged the first time. If you do not click with the first counselor, there's always other people there. But going off that and just being reflective, um, is there any advice that you'd give your younger self? And is there any advice that you'd give medical students right now going through the thick of it through CPC3 or just mm-hmm. moving on into clerkship or residency and onward? Yes. Um, so advice I'd give to my younger self. Um, I think, you know, you get so used to where you are and like your bubble and your social connections. So then you sort of think, okay, this is the only place that I can be. At least that's how I was thinking um, sort of through, like I'm going to trade in Toronto, live in Toronto, stay in Toronto, all that stuff. Um, But your first job isn't necessarily your last job. So like moving around, if you match somewhere different than here, if you, you know, go away, those, all those experiences are so rich. I got to work in Calgary. I got to work a bit in Saskatchewan actually too, which was really awesome. Um, So like, you know, moving around um, is just a really lovely um, thing to do. Um, Also not to be afraid of failure is really important as well that I would give uh, advice to give myself and um, to be creative. Um, uh, And uh, what advice I'd give to medical students right now is um, everyone's in the same boat as you. So no one in the country is getting like uh, real interactions. No one's doing shadowing. No one's doing anything like that. It really sucks. I feel for you guys. Med school is an awesome, awesome time. Thank God in second year, you guys had first year to sort of bond. poor incoming class like they're missing out on all those social opportunities now but they're creative and smart they're making them on their own I'm sure in a safe way um but this whole thing sucks so I'm sorry um that you have to go through it but just know that everyone is don't exactly about the opportunities you're missing out on because everyone is it's going to be an equal even playing field the staff will teach you extra when you're able to see patients in clerkship don't worry you'll be okay but it sucks. Exactly. Heart goes out for you. It sucks. Exactly. I, I think. No, go, go ahead, Kenny. No, no, you go for it. <laughs> um, no, I think that's definitely like a hot topic right now. Like students feeling like, you know, worried about the future, obviously concerned about like our education. And then especially like the two T3s going into clerkship, like mm-hmm. we're just concerned. Um, but it's so good to hear faculty say that you know that we're concerned about it but that it's gonna be okay you're obviously in our corner fighting for us and Mm -hmm. it's totally reassuring totally totally i mean i started um my i got the bad clerkship rotation quote unquote where i started with electives like Mm -hmm. i didn't know anything oh my god i didn't know how to like read vital signs and like you know you're trying to impress these people for letters and like 
and Mac was three years. This was like after two and a half, oh, wow. it was like at your level, like going to, um, you know, or like, sorry, in January, like going on my first clerkship elective, like, hello, that was horrible. And I, <laughs> I matched to my top place. So like, you know, it doesn't like, uh, you'll be fine and you'll figure it out. You're all smart, dedicated, motivated people. Um, you'll get there. But uh, it's it's very nerve wracking and, you know, you feel like you're going to be ill equipped, but the program's doing everything it can to set you up for success. And once you start being able to get in there, you'll be great. Thank like, you. Like Calandra said, I think it's just a matter of constant reassurance for the students. And it's like, especially with COVID, I think a lot of students just feel like they're in a they're like in a void or a vacuum and they're just like yelling and uh, mm -hmm. definitely just hearing from faculty and course directors and stuff that it's going to be all right. We hear you. We're we working do. on it, but you just need to hang in with us because of all the logistical back end of things that obviously some students aren't able to see. Um, mm -hmm. But that's really good. Thank you for sharing that advice with us. And the next question that we have is a bit of a fun one. Um, if you couldn't do medicine, what would you be doing? Like what would your dream job then be? Um, so it would be, uh, I think a genetic counselor. I don't know if that's like, oh, a, wow. a, have people been answering astronaut or something? I don't know. <laughs> like, um, for me, that was my plan B was to, um, yeah, I really like still the medicine of it. And then genetic counseling, you could help families and discuss like their risk factors for certain things and um, help them through their current situation and offer them support. So, and affect families that way on a very personal level and do some research into new genetic things. So anyway, that was my plan B uh, if I did <laughs> medical school. That's awesome. Yeah. So still something related to kids then? Uh, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I was never a camp counselor and all that, although a lot of my colleagues were and they're phenomenal, but yeah, it's still something related to kids. Yep, totally. I love that. They're the best. Um, so I have something else, another question that could be pretty interesting. So what is your wildest adventure inside or outside of the hospital? Mm -hmm. Um, hmm. I think um, my most, uh, my wildest maybe was I traveled to Iceland alone, which was kind of cool. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I really, it was really fun. I just um, sort of took a five day trip. So um, it was really fun. I made like a few really good friends along the way. And I happened to, like, I'm not a cool person, but like I went during the music festival there. If you guys know, That's I cool. did, like an annual music festival. So like there was a lot of cool people there accidentally. So I got to meet this like butcher who's like number like top 10 in Toronto from Roast on St. Clair. If you guys know him, Ben Latchford, he's awesome. Anyway, so he was my buddy um, uh, there and I met a firefighter from Boston and we just had a really good time. We like hung out at pubs and uh, saw some heavy metal bands and other bands. I had lots of desserts. I hung out by myself. I went to the spa every day. It was a really lovely trip. Um, so wow. I guess it wasn't necessarily wild, but it was just a fun experience to do whatever you want whenever you want it on holiday. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I've never traveled alone, but that's mm. so inspiring. Definitely want to, hopefully one day. Yeah, and I thought like being a single woman traveling at that time. Yeah, it's, like, it's always a concern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be good because I'm like covered all the time. It's like winter, you know, like you're not out <laughs> all the time, you're not like on a beach or whatever. So like yeah. Iceland is friendly and small, so. Yeah. I thought that out too. <laughs> and you get to learn a lot about yourself when you travel by yourself, just like oh, totally. grow up a little bit, I think. 
totally. And then the best thing is like, if you get sick of people, you don't need to stay with them. You could just exactly. go and do your own thing. Yeah, so exactly, relaxing. exactly. So relaxing. A lot more liberty. Mm -hmm. So what would you say your biggest adventure in the hospital would be, if you can think of one? Oh my goodness, in the hospital. Um, give me a minute. In the hospital, was it? I'll have to come back to that one. No worries. I was just going to say, because if I remember rheumatology, you have to, like, sometimes you're at different hospitals or you're covering different hospitals, right? At least mm -hmm. in Hamilton, I think you do, um, depending on what service you are. I just have a friend in it and she says she covers a bunch of different hospitals. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would figure that sometimes you have to, like, do this crazy thing where you're driving around towns. <laughs> trying to get to patients. But no, not. not not so much because actually for okay. with peds, there's usually one peds hospital per center. Okay. And Fair so enough. that's where you are. Um, but right. that does remind me of a time um, we do like holiday rounds all like or like end of year rounds in my rheumatology fellowship. And so we did just that. So in our adult rotation, we had to rotate through like every day we were in a different hospital, which is definitely weird for us. So we made this like skid of us like missing the bus to like go around mm. and all this stuff. It was it was very fun, but <laughs> it's fun. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Um, okay, and this is one of our last questions. Uh, what is something that you want students to know about you? Um, I think. Uh that um, I had some personal failures as well in life. Like I applied to med school for the first time I didn't get in and then the second mm -hmm. time I got in off the waiting list. And um, you know, and then I still succeeded quite well in medical school and residency. So it's okay to fail um, as long as you learn from the failures and figure it out. Also, I applied to another job within the medical school faculty before getting this one and I didn't get it. And then they asked me when I was applying for CPC3 course director, they're like, oh, name a time you failed. I'm like, oh, when I applied for this other job that you guys didn't get. <laughs> you know, so, um, uh, so sometimes like if you sort of don't let it weigh you down the failure, right. but actually, yeah, learn from it, figure out where you made your mistakes, um, where you can improve and then sort of um, give it your your best the next time. I think that's um, that's something really good for me. Um, and then also that I've created a lot of my jobs. I have a lot of jobs and like the clinic at Women's College, I created with my colleague, uh, Natasha Gockel. Um, and together we see uh, patients who are transitioning from juvenile arthritis, with, with juvenile idiopathic arthritis from sick kids to adult care. And so we have a combined clinic. She's an adult rheumatologist on peds and we see the patients together for a few years while they're in their transition zone. Um, so I'm really proud of that. And um, yeah, just happy that like be creative, you know, and get, get that going so that you can make your own path when one isn't available for you. Mm -hmm. And I think exactly what you're saying shows that everything works out the way it's supposed to be because mm -hmm. now you're a CPC3 director and and it's working out great. Yeah, awesome, exactly, exactly. So, And I think it's really important for students to know that we focus so much on just getting to the match, or at least right now, the CARMS match and where we're going down that trajectory, but we have to realize that that is not the only option available. There's gonna be more options down the line and you can make your own if you want to. Um, for sure. I think that's really important for students to realize that they won't be stuck in this one specific thing and they should keep their mind open to different possibilities or different arrangements within that specific field once they get there. Absolutely. Um, 
So our last question for you this evening is what are you most proud of either in medicine, outside of medicine? It's totally up to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, hmm. I think um, in medicine, I think getting into medical school, I was the most proud of because it wasn't easy for me uh, to do. So I was really excited when that happened. Um, yeah, that's uh, that sort of set up my life professionally. Um, I think, uh, yeah, uh, that's definitely what I'm most proud of outside of medicine. Um, I don't know, I guess, you know, I could say my children, but they're sort of a work in progress. So I don't know if I'll be proud of them. <laughs> like, you know, like my son poops and spits up. So like, I guess, but <laughs> my daughter's Amazing. pretty cool now, but kind of sassy. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but um, overall, you know, I guess the family I'm creating for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. That's good. <laughs> I definitely think a theme of the podcast I've been part of so far is definitely been like faculty and like work you've done in medicine is definitely something to be proud of. But the family and the connections mm-hmm. you've built inside of the clinic or outside of the clinic are definitely something that most physicians do find the most valuable. Mm-hmm. That's really Which cool. I and I totally agree. That's what the most important thing is, you know, like um, if you guys have personal crises or family issues, we get that. And, you know, and then that takes priority always over anything else work related and otherwise. And then I just hope everyone here gets good colleagues that can cover you when those situations arise um, so that you can participate, you know, in the good and the bad events with families. Of course. Calandra is already covering my ass for all the mistakes I make in MedSoc, so we're good. No, <laughs> I always, I call Kenny um, my work husband because we're like constantly talking and I'm constantly telling him like, okay, like I need to, like now I'm going to eat dinner, now I'm going to go do this. Like I'm constantly updating about my personal whereabouts because <laughs> we're like always in communication. That's the best. And the, this relationship is so important and something that'll really serve you well um, for, mm-hmm. the, for sure. Well, I think on that positive and um, life advice theme, we're going to end this podcast with um, our favorite student story of the week or month. Um, And this week, since it's been a bit of dry month in the sense that all of us are just hunkered down trying to survive CPC3, Mm -hmm. or at least this portion of it until it calms down a little bit. I just wanted to wish all of the CPC3 students good luck on the anatomy bell ringer, which is our last big big assessment or the one that I think everyone's freaking out about um, next Monday or in future years, whenever you have it, um, you got this, just keep your head down, get down on those uh, pathways and different um, aspects of neurology and we'll be fine. And then we can just hopefully focus on other things in addition to all of the academic aspects and focus on our mental health Mm -hmm. moving forward. But Dr. Rosenblum, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you for agreeing to this. I know it's quite late for you, um, but Mm -hmm. thank you for sitting down. And I think speaking for Clander and I, uh, we really appreciated just hearing your perspective on the curriculum and how you've gotten into medicine and uh, your path so far. Thank you. Thank you guys so so much. much.